Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Let's stand out of reverence this morning for the reading of God's Word. There she goes again. I think Siri's going to get saved ultimately. Uh, it's just a matter of time, but ask her if she's a Christian, by the way. If you have it, you'll be astounded. When these events were over, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia, Achaia, and to go to Jerusalem. After I'd been there, he said, I must see Rome as well. So after sending two of those who assisted him, Timothy and Eurastus, to Macedonia, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. During that time, there was a major disturbance about the way, for a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who also made silver shrines to Artemis, provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. When he had assembled them, as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. You both see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that gods made by hands are not gods. So not only do we run a risk that our business may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be despised and her magnificence come to the verge of ruin. The very one all of Asia and the world adore. When they had heard this, they were filled with rage and began to cry out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed all together into the amphitheater, dragged along Gaius and Articus, Macedonians who were Paul's traveling companions. Though Paul wanted to go in before the people, the disciples did not let him, pleading with him not to take a chance by going into the amphitheater. Meanwhile, some were shouting one thing and some another, because the assembly was in such confusion, and most of them did not know why they had even come together. Then some of the crowd gave Alexander advice when the Jews pushed him to the front. So motioning with his hand, Alexander wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, a united cry went up from all of them for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. However, when the city clerk had calmed the crowd down, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who doesn't know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great Artemis and of the image that fell from heaven? Therefore, since these things are undeniable, you must keep calm and do not do anything rash. For you have brought these men here who are not temple robbers or blasphemers of our goddess. So if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a case against anyone, the courts are in session and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you want something else, it must be decided in a legal assembly. In fact, we run the risk of being charged with rioting for what has happened here today, since there is no justification that we can give as a reason for this disorderly gathering. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for the privilege we have to be here as a body of Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word will not return void. 
but will accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. Father, thank you today that we can rest on it wholeheartedly. It is truth. Hide me behind the cross that you might speak to hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, as only you can do. Lord, dispel the lies of the enemy, Lord, in our hearts through this truth today. Father, give us ears to hear. Father, eyes to see and hearts that are obedient, Father, to doing what it is today that you would like to do in each one of us. Let all of us leave here transformed by the renewing of our minds today, leaving to better faithfully carry out the Great Commission, which is a commandment to all of us. We ask all this this morning in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So verses 23 through 27, again, let me just kind of overview. During the time, there's this disturbance about the way this person named Demetrius, a silversmith, makes silver shrines to Artemis, provides with great deal of business for the craftsmen. When he assembled them, as well as the workers engaged in the business, he says, men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. You both see and hear, not only in Ephesus, but almost all of Asia, this man Paul is persuaded and misled considerable numbers of people by saying that gods made by hands are not gods at all. So not only do we run the risk that our business may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis must be despised and her magnificent come to the verge of ruin. The one, the very one in all of Asia and the world adore. First thing that I want to share with you this morning comes from those verses and is this. Love of money breeds blindness to truth. What do we know scripturally when it comes to money? Now, you hear people say money is the root of all evil. Church, that is not biblical. That is not what the scripture says. Scripture says this. It clarifies that. It says love of money is the root of all evil. What does money have the ability to do? It's money by in itself doesn't do anything, does it? It just sits there. It doesn't mind being kindling, does it? Money will do whatever you want to do. Sometimes it's in essence like we see the dollar that you're looking at and it becomes in a sense the boogeyman, right? That, that dollar's going to jump up in your hand and I, I wouldn't have done it if it hadn't done that. No, the, the dollar's not going to do that. What is it? The wickedness of the human condition that is either not a follower of Christ or one that's not restrained and under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, that's a dangerous condition, amen? It's a dangerous scenario to be in. So what's going on right here is the love of money, it is a cultivator to blindness, to truth. Now, when we think about idolatry, as a matter of fact, if you haven't been here on Wednesdays for the next few weeks, I'm going through a series on idolatry. It has to do with the, um, when they're transporting the, the, the ark, remember, and the, the oxen stumble. So if, you're not, if you hadn't been here Wednesday nights, please come. It's a really exciting study. I'm excited for what God's going to do through it. But I say this to say anything that we take and allow to be preeminent can become a god. It can become an idol. We often think, well, I didn't fashion anything. Uh, I didn't, you know, my wife, you know, I, I didn't go bow down to her and pray to her. I didn't bow down to my house, my job, my retirement. You don't have to. You don't have to get out on the lawn of this building and, and do this on the ground to, to worship religion. As a matter of fact, it's really good to do. As a matter of fact, if you're a person like myself that likes to know what to do and I have a nice checklist, religion's really actually easy. Why? Because I go to, go to church on Sunday morning and I go do this and I do this. And I, All right, God, I did that. I prayed and I read the Bible. And God, I know you're going to love me more now than you've ever loved me. And that's not right. That's not biblical. 
Because even if I hadn't done any of that, God's going to love me as much at that point as he would if I had done everything. Amen? Because when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. He loves us to the extent that could ever incomprehensibly seem possible. That's comforting, isn't it? See, this, this picture that's emerges right here, money and love of that, it breeds a blindness. Now, is that a sin in and of itself? No, it's the ultimate picture of the garden and what happens in the deception. It's the lie. It's not just a lie. It's all the lie. And the lie is summed up in this. When the enemy came to Eve in the garden, he was presenting that there was a heightened state of fulfillment that could be found in something other than God's plan for their life. That's what the, that's what the presentation was. Do you realize that that's the same thing that's happened all through time, space, and humanity since that moment. The only thing that happens is the enemy comes to us. Hey, that wife of yours, boy, look at that. That woman would be so, that husband, look at, man, I'll tell you what, he'd be so, oh, look at that job. That would be so much better than the job that God gave you. And, oh, if you go over there and you do this, it would, no, none of them will give you anything more than the blessings that God has already given you. And guess what? God's promise is to provide all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. So if we go chasing something that God has not divinely led us to by his will, the only thing we're doing is chasing a pipe dream. We are literally chasing a mirage. So if you say today, well, oh, I had this genuine need and God didn't give it to me and God lies. No, there's not a problem with God lying. God doesn't lie, does he? It is an issue with us, not him. And I think one of the bigger qualifiers with our culture is, in America, we have a little issue with understanding needs versus wants. Anybody ever thought of that? I, I mentioned, if I remember correctly, last Sunday with Mumbai. It's just one place and many places all over the, the globe. I've watched extensively and studied extensively about it. Middle class in Mumbai, India, is abject poverty. They don't believe so. That's middle class to them, a shanty with nothing, no air conditioning, in many cases, no lights, no running water. Abject poverty, that's their middle class. So we, you know, God, I, I need a new water heater, Lord, and, you know, I didn't get a new water heater, and God, you promised you'd provide my need. Is a water heater actually a need? See, the problem is, now, does God care that we have certain? God, God's awesome. God blesses us with things that we never deserve in his grace, his unmerited favor, and then in his mercy. God is really good, and it's a sinful thing that we have a nice car, or a nice a water heater, or a nice, no, not at all. If you've been faithful and God's blessed you, to God be the glory. Use it as a, an avenue with which to minister and to bring glory and honor to his name. Amen? There's nothing wrong it's intention. What is your intention? What's your intention with that fistful of cash to influence and to yield power? Or is that money you have, God, this is yours, Lord. You gave me it all and I want to use it to glorify your name. God, give me a name for every dollar that I have. Let me be about the kingdom work, Father. We see right here, though, that with these idol builders, 
Their income was threatened. We really realized the magnitude. These were not Christ followers. These were people that had been blinded by the, the lust for money and power, and this was at risk. So what was happening is the name of Christ is being magnified and the, the darkness, the lies, were being dispelled by the truth. So all of a sudden, what became the issue? It's Paul. This Paul guy, man, he is discrediting Artemis to the great goddess we know. No, it was their, their thirst for money. Their fear was overtaking the rational truth and the ability. So they're scared to death that they're qualifying it under, oh, we don't want to bring discredit to the great goddess. But in reality, it was about the money. See, the love of money breeds that blindness to truth. And a lot of times we'll think, oh, that's for somebody who's not a Christian. Brother, sister, I want to tell you something. You better be careful if you ever think that a believer can't be taken under the spell of serving money. You might say, well, hey, you know, the enemy's just sitting around ready to steal your salvation. Church, let me just tell you, first of all, he cannot steal salvation from a follower of Jesus Christ. What his desire is, is to make each and every believer completely useless for the kingdom. That's his objective. He doesn't want you being a stout, steady, non-conforming lighthouse, ground post in your community or your church body who steadfastly stands for the gospel and truth for decades and runs the race faithfully to the finish as a demonstration of godliness and holiness, honest about the sin and the breaking of the, the battles that we normally have on a daily basis, honest with those that, hey, you can run and you can finish strong as even the times you have to repent, people see the reality of what it means to follow Christ in that. He doesn't want that, though. He wants to define us by our failures. He wants us tied up in some foolishness, chasing our tails. If you ever watch cats and dogs chase their tails, I always say they're going nowhere fast. Just like a hamster inside of a wheel, run and run and run and never getting anywhere. That's what he wants for us. Because then we're completely ineffective for the kingdom. As I remember on Tuesday, I'm extremely tired on Tuesday mornings. It's a long day. And a Tuesday morning, to have that conversation at 20 minutes after 7 in the morning is one of those things where you go, listen, I need coffee, and about 10 o'clock I start to function. No, I didn't have that freedom. Because God presented the opportunity at 20 minutes after 7 o'clock on Tuesday morning. What he wanted me to do, the enemy, wanted me to be tired, wanted me to be self-focused, and wanted me to say, there's no reason to have this conversation in the first place. Oh, wish, love if you want to come to church sometime, but to God be the glory, whatever. But see, we don't get that luxury. Because when God opens the door, it's now. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not next month. It's not next year. It's now. I'll work with him one time. He wasn't our normal nurse. an agency nurse just came in one day. You see what I'm saying? When God provides an opportunity, it is divinely orchestrated. And you and I have to be obedient because if not, the same way that love of money Missing an opportunity to share Christ Jesus is just as egregious, if not more so. Why? Because I don't know if that's his last day to suck air on this earth. This might be the day that he dies and walks off into his eternity. Could you imagine the weight of responsibility that I would bear had that been the day and I not said what I said to him and had the conversation that I had? This is what's so important. We cannot, in our 
desire justify our disobedience because plainly at the end of the day, church, when God opens doors of opportunity, when we don't answer and we don't get and do what God has done in opening that, that, that door he did with us walking through it, it is sin. What does sin do? Same thing that we see in this path, this right, blindness. Sin makes us dumb. Anybody know that? As a matter of fact, I think we, we don't appreciate the magnitude of the foolishness that sin opens the door to in us. The only person at the end of these messes that we walk into that believe we're fooling people is us. We're the last one invited to the party, by the way, because that's what sin does. And that's why with this picture right here, they can convince all day long the world around them that, oh, this is not an issue. This is not an issue with the power of what Paul's preaching and teaching. This is an issue with, man, they're attacking Artemis. <laughs> we care about Artemis. No, they don't care. They care about the money. Sin breeds foolishness. And we cannot ever forget that. It makes us blind to truth. And then look down in verse 32. So meanwhile, some were shouting one thing, some another, because the assembly was in confusion. Most of them did not even know why they had come together. Second thing that I want to share with you this morning is this. Confusion is always at the center of anything not of God. You see this? You've got people that are shouting. They're in a riotous almost condition, as we see at the end of this story. There's many of them there that had no idea why they were there. That's why mob mentalities are pretty dangerous. Why? Because there's usually no rationale. There's no f central focus or organization. But this is what I do know also of, of God. God is not out of confusion but of power, love, and of a sound mind. If this was of God, what would it be? It would have been orderly, and it would have had a central focus. And that's why we have to be really, really careful, because when you see things that are of confusion, and when you see things that are out of order, and you see things that don't look right, you better step back. And what do I always say? Use the gospel. Use truth as the magnifier or as the, the level that brings clarity to Ready? Every single situation. If you think for a moment that there's clarity apart from God's word, I've got a few words for you and it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to tell you, you are deluded and delusional because the Gibeonite deception was based on man's belief system of it looks like a duck, it smells like a duck, it quacks like a duck, so it's got to be a duck. How many pictures in Scripture, kids wanting to marry somebody that's not a believer? Go for it. No, don't go for it. Look at what Scripture says. But see, the world says, oh, maybe you can get them saved later on. Once again, you're delusional. Because Scripture says, do not be united with an unbeliever. How much clearer does that have to get? But yet, time and again, oh, well, I'll tell you the case. Stop it. Stop it justify your sin you can do it all you want to do but i won't be a part of it yeah god can do anything and if you're a part of one of those that god was gracious to well you better praise god because i can give you countless stories that didn't end up like yours did so what would i do if i were you i would say weep this way but it's not the right way to do it 
Trust what God's word says. Don't even date someone who's not a believer. You know what I'm preaching? I'm preaching something's not popular. And I don't care if you like it or not, because it's the Bible and it's truth. It's not what I think about it, but I want to see every one of these people in these pews and all of your family members and your friends, I want to see them blessed. I want to see the relationship stand the test of time. I want to be countercultural. I want to see something that is completely a paradigm shift from what we're watching all over the place right now. I want to see every person in here live the abundant life in Jesus Christ, but it can only happen, brothers and sisters, when we have a staunch adherence to truth of God's word. We can't do it any other way. We can't lie to ourselves or sidestep the truth. We might think that's okay, but it's not, church. It's not. God-centered worldview is the only hope for mankind. I don't care what some religious guru tells you. I don't care about the enlightenment of culture and how they finally realize truth. No, no. The scripture's been shouting truth since the beginning of time. And it will continue to because it is the only hope for mankind. It is the only hope for this nation. And it is the only hope for this body of Christ. It's the only hope for you and I this morning. There is no other hope, brothers and sisters, that I have for you right now. And if I knew right now, unequivocally, that, the, that God's word was not truth, I can assure you I wouldn't even say bye. You'd see me just literally simply walk out that door and you would not ever see me again because I don't have time to play games. Time is too short. And I'm getting on the older side of life. I'm not old, but I understand. I'm not in my prime anymore. And I understand that the days are going to get shorter, the weeks are going to get much shorter, the years are going to be like months. And I understand that. And I understand scripturally and spiritually, this is what I know. Scripture says life is but a vapor. And you know what? Brothers and sisters, it's evaporating right before us. We only have a very short time to do what God has commanded us to do. So what I say when I say let's finish strong, we don't know how much time we have. Christ's return may come back, and it all stops now. You may die in five years, three years, two years. Hey, remember that little clock I talked about above you? How many people right now would freak if you saw the time left on your clock above you? Because you thought you had a whole lot more time. You don't have to go anywhere far to find out how short life is. Just look up the Nashville obituaries on any given day. You will be astounded at the people much younger than myself that are walking off into eternity. That means we don't have time to play games and play around and be involved in things that are confusion. That is far away from the truth. Anything that is confusion is not of God. And therefore, one of the litmus tests for when you start hear someone talk about something and it becomes an issue of confusion, what do I say? Get in the Word. Let the Word dispel the lies, the deception, and anything that the enemy is trying to sow into your theology because there are so many. It's a vast world right now of things that the enemy is trying to sow in. And remember, the other thing I say consistently is the more truth a lie has in it, the more dangerous it is. Why? Because it at times seems very appealing. 
It can, cerebral, in, in our minds, it can make some sense. But when you get in Scripture and you get into the Word of God, what does God's Word do? It dispels, it sends away, it rejects lies and gives complete and utter clarity to truth. And that's what we see right here because what do we know? Oh, Artemis, that's the normal thing. Some guy's trying to cause trouble and look what they're doing because these are the, these people, they're nice people and they, they just happen to serve this Artemis over here. You know, that can't be a bad thing. Nobody should be trying to, wait a minute. Artemis wasn't truth. The, the, the part of truth that this had to do with was the fact that they were just scared of losing the financial blessing. If Art, ready for this? If Artemis is such a source of truth, cannot Artemis stand on her own? Amen? As I say today, if God's word can't stand the test of time, then God hasn't got any power, does he? That's why I am an Elijah mindset. I'll call on my God, you call on yours. I shared with the person this week, I said, hey, all I ask you to do, you're not a praying man, you don't believe in anything, but I said, hey, would you want to know if there was a real heaven and a real hell and real people were going there? Uh, yeah, I mean, would, but even though I know it's not true, clarified as that, I said, well, all I ask you to do is just to say, God, if you're the God that this guy is talking about and if all of this is real that I believe is not, reveal yourself to me. See, I said, my God has power. And I said, he loves you. He made you, he created you, whether you realize or not. And I said, that's what's so beautiful about what I believe because I know that my God will reveal himself to you if you desire to know him. What have I done? I've taken all the weight off me. I've taken all this self-battle of, oh, I've got to make sure I say, oh, let's see, did I say, did I say this, did I say that? Uh, let me go back and say some more. All right, now, um, you know what you look like? Somebody who has a problem. And somebody who's trying to defend something that's not true when you start acting like that. You present the truth, you know what you do? Not only have you prayed beforehand, but you pray after God. I know that you can reveal yourself to him. And God, I know your desire is to bring mankind to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And God, I know that you created and you care for that man. God, reveal yourself to him. God, I know I'm praying in accordance with your will is what the prequalification is to have prayer answered, right? Amen? When we pray in accordance with God's will, there's the promise, he answers. What is God's will? Desires that none should perish. So we're praying in accordance with God's will. Anytime there's confusion, anytime you think you haven't said the right things, what does the Bible also talk about? The Spirit of God will put the words in our mouth. Amen? When we're testifying for truth, God will put the words in our mouth. And I still stand by steadfastly to the fact that God is a God that does not lie. He doesn't hiccup. He doesn't change. So those promises are still true to this very day. And then move on uh, to verse, let's, just go, let's cover verses 35 through 41 again, and then we'll, we'll sew the rest of it up. So when the city clerk had calmed the crowd down, he said, men of Ephesus, what, what is there who doesn't know the city of Ephesus, Ephesians is in a temple guardian of the great Artemis and of the image that fell from heaven? Therefore, since these things are undeniable, you must keep calm and don't do anything rash for you have brought these men here who are not temple robbers or blasphemers of our goddess. So if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a case against anyone, the courts are in session and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. 
But if you want something else, it must be decided in a legal assembly. In fact, we run the risk of being charged with a riot for what has happened today, since there is no justification that we can give and a reason for this disorderly gathering. After this, they dismiss the assembly. You know, that's profound in that because you actually see a little bit of faith in one of these people. Ready? What man is there who doesn't know that the city of Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great Artemis and of the image that fell from heaven? You know what he's saying? We all know this. By the way, it's in essence, as he's saying the same thing I'm saying, let Artemis show the power that Artemis has. That's pretty powerful and it's deep. But yet the rest of them, we see confusion. We see all of this. There's nothing. But I want to share this third and final thing with you this morning. We only need be still. God will fight for us. I've said that life application principle probably five times in the last eight or ten years. But that's a profound one. We know what Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. We know with Elijah after the Mount Carmel meeting, remember when uh, the wicked queen Jezebel says before sunset, if he ain't dead, basically paraphrase. And the next thing you know, you have Elijah. I've stood on Mount Carmel, so I was standing up there thinking of all these stories with Elijah, but most importantly, as I'm looking down at the Jezreel Valley, I'm thinking I cannot imagine the power of God being displayed like it was displayed. Elijah has watched the fire of God fall from heaven and consume not only this wet sacrifice, but the water and the... I mean, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what culmination of God's power would be so magnificent. It's almost like you tend to want to be arrogant and start dancing around and shouting, woo, get him! But yet, when he hears about Jezebel saying, I'm going to kill you, the next thing you know, he's running. Running from what? You really think that God's going to display his power like this and she can do anything to you unless God allows it? But yet we watch what happens ultimately. He runs and then, what? God wasn't in the earthquake and he was in what? Still small voice. It's the God we serve, church. Our God is power. He is power. He's not the God of power. He is the power. He is the beginning. He's the end. He spoke everything that we have, see, and know into existence in six days. Incomprehensible, unable to be comprehended power. Just because the vastness of this universe and the belief and understanding that God can do that is way more than I can imagine doesn't change the truth of it. The more they find, the more they realize the infinites. We've got this new telescope, the Webb telescope. You're seeing the pictures from that. It is incredible. They're finding more than they've ever dreamed possible. Uh, well, nothing new, is it? God's Word talked about that a long time ago. How much more do you want to know? Because I can tell you it's a whole lot more infinite than you've seen so far. Wait till the next 10 telescopes. If God would so allow that to happen, you're still not going to get the rest of it. It is limitless. It's the same as our God. There are no bounds. Which to me, y'all, it's hard for me to comprehend what 100 miles entails. How about a few trillion miles? That's why I love the fact that when Scripture says our sin... When we repent, huh? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is forgiveness? 
It said it's separated as far as the east is from the west, but see, we're so limited in our thinking. We think on the globe, you know, it's over here and I'm over here, that's a long way. No, it is lost in the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered anymore when it's forgiven. There are no bounds in the distance that God separates it. So what do you know when somebody brings up something that you had been forgiven of? You know it's straight from hell. It's straight from the enemy. With what reasoning? To discourage you, to try to dissuade you, and try to put you at a place of disobedience, anger, unforgiveness, whatever it is. You know what you do? You categorically reject it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth because what God has forgiven, let not man bring back up. Amen? And that's the beauty of it. Doesn't matter what the world thinks you or I was before we came to Christ. It doesn't matter. You might have fallen flat on your face as a Christian. Guess what? It doesn't define who you are. You are defined in the forgiveness that's found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you are a child of the living God, free to live his plans and his purposes. And you or I are not defined by the foolish choices that any of us. Don't ever think you're immune or I'll give up the Corinthians on you. Take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are a trophy of God's grace as his child. What is that? You are a trophy of his unmerited favor. None of us deserve it. Shows the love that God has, the infinite, the unending, limitless love that God has for us. That's why I love West King, the song he wrote. He died many years ago, but how deep is the love of Christ? Incomparable kindness to less than the least the battle, the broken, the weak. It's so awesome, but it, it says how, how wide, how far, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. Can't comp- it's, it's, un- it's limitless. God loves us so much this morning. You know what God's desire is? God's desire is to take away our apathy, our indifference, our unconcern. God's desire today is to take away the fear, to take away the confusion, to allow us to live fully trusting him. Maybe you're a control person who likes to control everything. God's literally sitting there beckoning you. Scripture says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you're a control person, I know this from experience. If you're a controller, you get tired trying to control everything. Because especially today, you might can control you, and I can, but guess who we can't control? Everybody else. So if you're a control freak, guess what happens? You get exhausted because no one's doing what you want them to do, and it's as God sitting back going, when are you going to let me have it? You can try to orchestrate everything, but I'm going to let you keep going because it's not right. When are you going to cast all your cares on me? My yoke is easy and my burden's light. You're going to do it. You're going to keep fighting. You know what I've watched God do, though? He takes more and more control out of our lives until he did what I, he did with me, which is to put you in bed for four years and then say, what are you going to do now? And what God had to do was allow me four years to sit at home, unable to control anything, nothing at all, so that he could prepare me for what he knew was ahead, which was what the doctor said would never happen, this. Never walk. That's going to be my life. See, that's where the enemy wanted me to believe that, despair, stay in a drug-induced coma the rest of my life for that matter, when in reality there was so much more to what God wanted to do and could do, and I remember making that definitive choice to say, God, I'll serve you the rest of my life in this wheelchair, but I know that you are a God that's in control and you have a purpose and you have a plan. So see, we just have to be still. God's going to fight for you. God's going to provide. 
But this morning, do you realize that? Are you truly, mentally living that? You can say you trust God as long as your bank account has the money to pay your bill. What happens when you don't have the ability to meet that need? That's when the real faith comes in. The real faith is what? Being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. This morning, are you living in faith as a follower of Jesus Christ, the purpose and plan that God's will has for you, recognizing that you don't have five more minutes? None of us do. So we have to live right now like it's the last day. But also, because we don't know, we have to prepare because if we don't prepare, God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. We've got to prepare. We've got to establish a ministry for our children to hand a baton to because that's what God's word calls us to do. Are you being faithful? Are you in the process of preparing to hand off to subsequent generations, if so be the case? If not, we're in sin, church. And this morning again, love of money breeds blindness to truth. Don't catch yourselves defending a stance that's unbiblical, that has nothing to do with truth, because why? Well, we think it's the right thing to do. Find yourself in truth. Second thing, confusion is always at the center of anything not of God. And then third and finally, we only need to be still. God will fight for us. You say this morning, you know, God's not fighting for me. My question is, what are you fighting for? Because God's promise is that we'll, he will. All we've got to do is allow him to fight the battles. He does it. He's really good at it. God only wants one thing, him to be preeminent. Number one, first and foremost, God did not ever want the Israelites to have a king. What they wanted, they wanted a king. This morning, who's your king? You cannot have King Jesus and then King Self. There's only one rightful owner on the throne of our hearts, and that is the God of all creation. He is the I am. He's the I singular. He's the am. He's everything. This morning is the I am your king, your Lord, your God. If not, I'd encourage you to get on your face before him today. Cry out to him because he's loving, he's gracious, he's merciful, and his desire is to save you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you you feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart and today you would like to make him not only the savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.